Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Okay, so we're going to be reading from James 3, 13 through 18, if you want to open up your Bibles. So I'll read, and James says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So when we read here, the first thing we see is James is, and I like how James presents the, the very beginning of the passage because he starts off and he says, hey, if you're wise and understand God's ways, then you're going to show it, right? You're going to show it by the life that you live and you're going to reflect it in your behavior and in your actions. But if you're living in a way of jealousy and bitterness and not the ways of God, you're going to see that and you're going to see that manifest in your life. <clears throat> And here he says, if you are wise and understand God's ways. That's the biggest thing because when we see what James is saying here, there's two clear descriptions of earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. But he's really calling us out and he's saying, hey, what are you producing in your life? You know, what are you reflecting in your life? Is it this godly wisdom and this godly way of life or this earthly wisdom? Right? And what I like is James puts it in three points for each one, there's the godly wisdom and the earthly wisdom. And for each one, he shows three things per each. And we're going to go through it and walk through it. It's the manifestation, it's the character, and the result. So here, and just to preface, what I, what I want us to first understand, if you're like me, I like to know the, the general idea of, of what wisdom is and like the word of a definition. So I wrote here that... The dictionary definition says, the quality or state of being wise, knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment as to action, discernment, or insight. And then James talks about this earthly wisdom, which is rooted in jealousy and selfish ambition, a bitter and boastful state of mind, which applies its discernment and judgment through an earthly, unspiritual and demonic foundation. But then he transitions to this godly wisdom, and it says, rooted in God's power and authority, a state of purity, peace, and humility, understanding God's ways of living with righteousness, meekness, and good works. And again, this is James's main point. We know what godly wisdom looks like, right? And we know what earthly wisdom. But which one do we often tend to lean on? It's usually not godly wisdom. It's sometimes earthly wisdom, if not most times earthly wisdom. And this is what James is showing us, that this earthly wisdom, he wants us to be able to discern these things, right? So James points out that this 
earthly wisdom, the manifestation of it. What is it? It's bitterness, it's jealousy, selfish ambition, covering up the truth and lying and selfishness. And as we walk through these points, I want us to be able to examine our hearts and test it and see if these things are manifesting in our lives, right? And walk through it and just see, hey, what's, what's happening in my own life and in my own heart? So what about things like bitterness, jealousy, anyone feeling bitter the past couple of weeks or the past couple of days about maybe someone or something to happen at work? Or jealousy, is there any kind of jealousy of maybe a relationship or someone's recognition that's like taking captive of your heart and it's kind of like eating you inside? What about selfish ambition? Anyone selfishly chasing something that's maybe pulling you away from God's rule and what he really has for your life, that you're chasing it so much so that you just have lost sight of God? And what I like about this is because James is pointing out these things that are so simple but can take such captive of our hearts, right? They're so simple things, but in hindsight, when we go throughout our day-to-day, we don't realize that we're building our foundation on these things. And then he says, covering up the truth and lying. That's huge, because I think he pushes it deeper here, and he says, hey, are you living a life that you're covering up something? Or are you living a, a life that's a lie? Are you living a life that, that's not who you are, that's not your identity? You're just putting up a facade, not only to yourself, but the relationships that you make. And I like this because throughout all this, and when I was reading it, I was really processing it in my heart and realizing, like, wow, like, James is pretty, pretty deep here. And then are we acknowledging this manifestation and, and are we seeing it through its character, right? And then James says that the character is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So when I read that, I'm thinking, I'm like, we kind of have an idea of what earthly kind of wisdom looks like. It's taking it, our, taking it in our own hands and kind of going about our own way. But when I read of unspiritual and demonic, I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm not demonic. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how do we interpret that in our own lives? But it's this kind of system where, you know, it's the earthly wisdom we go about our own self, right? And then there's this, James is saying that it's this unspiritual aspect that we tend to step out of what God has for us and start to behave in a way that's not of him, right? But then there turns to this demonic aspect. And the demonic point here is a wisdom that is influenced outside of God's rule and outside of what God has for us. <clears throat> it's this idea and this reality of a spiritual realm and a spiritual force that tugs at us, right? And it nugs at us. And that's the reality that we need to come to grip with, that there's this system that we need to identify in our own hearts, right? We, we have our own earthly nature that we got to keep in check. And sometimes it can go out to this unspiritual aspect. And then you're leaving yourself wide open to this demonic force that tugs at us. <clears throat> and yes, that sounds, for us, that sounds a little bit crazy because they're like demonic realm, demonic, you know, life outside of this. But until we realize that system, that there's this demonic realm outside of us, that's constantly trying to poke us and tug at us, we're going to continue to just live in this kind of earthly foundation and be built on it because we're not acknowledging all these things coming together. And I share these things because, you know, I don't, I don't want to just say all these things and just not have a heart behind it because for those of you who don't know, I've only been a Christian for six years um, and my foundation was, before Christianity, my foundation was built on this earthly wisdom. And James puts it, at least in my life, he puts it a little bit delicate because we all know this earthly wisdom can go way past what he describes. And that's how I was living. I was living a life that I did things on my own. 
I didn't care about anyone or anything but, my, but myself. And I, was, I got into a life that was evil and chaotic. I was doing drugs, I was popping pills, smoking weed, alcohol, all that stuff. I did it all. And I was built on that. And I felt like, I think it's called like a marionette, like that puppet that's controlled by things. That's what I felt like. And I realized, I was like, man, these, like, hindsight, now that I'm a Christian, I saw that I was built on this earthly wisdom. And I was literally going, and, and if, if it wasn't for the godly wisdom bringing me here today, I would have been either dead or in, in prison. And I'm sure we all have stories like that, but I wanted to share this because I don't want to just be up here sharing all these things and you guys not know a little bit about me. Because Andrew made a great point and he, when he was walking me through it. He was saying, people want to see someone up here that's human, right? We don't want to see someone up here that's preaching all these things and you're like, man, that guy is holy and he's, you know, I can never be like him. That's not true. And, and I share that because... It's true, when he humbled me with that, and I'm like, man, I, I don't want to be up here just preaching all these things, but I want people to relate to me. I want you to see my heart and see what God has done in my life, right? Anyway, I say these things because the main thing that I want all of us to get here, and this, if you're going to take down one note, or this is that big picture that I want to portray through the whole sermon or the big idea, this is it. That God has a way of life for us that leads to peace and harmony, built on godly wisdom. And this godly wisdom that James talks about is what God desires for us to seek after and to reflect in our lives. <clears throat> and then James transitions, because now we have a foundation of what this earthly wisdom looks like and what it looks like if we choose those routes and those kind of characteristics. But then he talks about this godly wisdom and this manifestation, which it comes from God. Baby, can you give me some water? I'm like super thirsty. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, manifestation comes from God. And, and the first, what I want to point to is James 1.5. Thank you. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generally to all without finding fault. And when I first thought of that, not only did I think of my life and thought of like, hey, have I sought God in the decisions that... I've made not even this past week, the past two weeks, but maybe the past couple months. And then when I thought of this idea of seeking God for wisdom, I thought of Solomon. We know Solomon, the king of Israel, the wisest man in the Bible aside from Jesus. <clears throat> and, and historians say that when Solomon became king, he was only between 12 to 15 years old. That's crazy. Imagine being a king and you're just like this teenager not knowing that you have to now manage and guide and direct God's people. A whole new system. That's a huge undertaking, a huge role. And what did he do? He sought the Lord. <clears throat> and I have the scripture that I want to share from 1 Kings 3, 7 through 10. It says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around and here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. And verse 9, it says, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people? The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. And I love this idea because it, 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 Solomon wanted to see life from God's point of view. And I like how Adrian Rogers says, he says, wisdom is the ability to see life from God's point of view. Now imagine if we can see God, uh, our life from God's point of view. 
I'm sure the way we would talk about things, the direction of our lives and our choices would look radically different because we know throughout all of scripture, godly wisdom did not always look clear, right? Or it was not easy to discern. For example, who thought walking around the walls of Jericho seven times would be a wise idea? It doesn't seem like it, but we have to be able to trust God in that. And then when we trust God in this, we start to see the characteristics come out and reflect in our lives. <clears throat> and James says that the characteristics of this wisdom, it's pure, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit. And it shows no favoritism. And I like this because when I thought of the, the word pure, I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't know anything pure in, 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 in any aspect besides Jesus. But what James is communicating here is that this idea of pureness that we ground ourselves in, it comes from innocent motives, that everything that we do is innocent, blameless. The way we talk to people, how we handle ourselves and the choices that we make, it comes from this pure foundation. And then he says, peace-loving. Think about it, how, how, do, how much we would love to see a peace-loving culture nowadays or peace-loving relationships. It's so foreign in today's world. What about gentle? That's kind of difficult, being gentle, whether maybe someone has wronged you this week and you felt kind of disrespected or, you know, maybe a wrong attitude or living in Jersey when you're driving, it's not always easy to be gentle, especially when someone either cuts you off or doesn't put on their blinker. Um, and then there's willing to yield. I like that because think about the idea of willing to yield. The world sees that as soft and weak and, hey, you're a punk but God sees that as honorable, godly, you know, just like Christ was willing to yield to the Father and die for us. And that's a huge point. And then full of mercy. And, and again, just as we were processing the earthliness, and I want us to be able to process the godly characteristics in our life, right? Is there anyone that we need to show mercy to, that we're still holding on to something, maybe from the past or maybe from a couple days you know, are we, being gentle, are we being gentle to people in, in our lives, in our relationships, to our coworkers? And then he says, full of mercy. And when I think of mercy, I think of forgiveness, right? I think those two are compatible and they pair together. Are we being merciful to other people around us? Are we forgiving other people? And again, I reiterate these things because, I, again, I want it to always be something that's like stirring in our hearts and examining our hearts and saying, hey, am I being gentle? Is there someone I need to forgive? Have I not been so merciful to this coworker this past week? Or, hey, did the way I spoke to my friend this night or my coworker this night, it was a little rough. You know, I want us to be able to process these things. And then when we see these things come to happen, we see this unraveling that happens in our lives, right? God is unraveling us like a mummy because inside we're naturally earthly, but the Spirit of God changes us, right? And through this transformation, he's unraveling us, and we see the result, and all these things come to be. And James says that there is, this result is a life of harmony, peace, and righteousness. And I love how the ESV translated it translates this, this verse. It says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in by peace by those who make peace. That's, that's, that's pretty powerful the way it translates it this way. And you know, as we, as we go through all these things, some of you are probably thinking, all right, now what? We have this godly wisdom, we have this earthly wisdom, we know the manifestation, all these points, but what does this really mean at the end of the day? And this is what I think James is kind of really portraying. 
is that at the end of the day, whatever you choose, you reap what you sow, right? You want to choose this life of earthliness, you're going to see it manifest, and it's not going to be good. But if you choose this life of godliness, you'll see the fullness of God and that come out of you and reflect in you. So you reap what you sow. If you sow, if you sow peace, you will reap peace. If you sow a life of harmony, you will see harmony. But if you sow selfishness and strife, you will reap disorder and conflict. And we also see this in the life of Solomon. Not everything was always good for Solomon. He, once he, he had the, the first initial encounter of God and he sought godly wisdom and he was set up for success and all these things. But we see a turn in Solomon's life, right? He decided to abandon God. He left and he pursued this earthly wisdom. And what ended up happening with Solomon, he ended up worshiping all these different gods and sacrificing to all these different gods. He had all these concubines and all these wives and the Lord told him, you must not marry. And he did these things. He disobeyed God and he followed his own life. And we see the kind of just a disorder and, and we see, just imagine that imagery of Solomon so grounded in God and then the next moment, He's just broken and fallen apart. In an and this is why I bring back that earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Because if you picture Solomon worshiping gods and sacrificing, you can't get more earthly, unspiritual, and demonic than that, right? <clears throat> but so we see how in Solomon's life, choosing godly wisdom or earthly wisdom was detrimental, right? We see how godly wisdom set him up for success. And just like us, this godly wisdom directs us, and it guides us, and it paves the way. And I like how Paul describes it when he's writing to the church in Corinth in, um, in 1 Corinthians 2, 6, 10. He, he talks about the church and he says about this wisdom because they, they were a church that loved wisdom, but they were also in their own ways that weren't going towards God's ways. So discussing this idea of wisdom, he writes, hey, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now, what I really want to focus on is verse 9. And what the key point here is that he's saying, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. Now, when we think about the idea of wisdom and information and knowledge, not only do we know that we're filled with so much with, uh, knowledge and information now from social media, the news, maybe an article we read, books, teachers, friends, all these things. Now, how do we acquire this? Usually we can see something, see a movie, see a play, and we gain some kind of information. Or we hear it from either a lecture, maybe again a movie, or just maybe a podcast. Or we can even conceive the thought of information or wisdom when maybe we're talking to someone and something spurs off. Or we either just go for a walk and something just pops up. But Paul is saying here that despite all these, all these things that come from the world and the information and knowledge, those, those, th those, those things can be good. Those aren't eternal. And he's saying here that this wisdom that is grounded and is eternal and is powerful, you can't see it. 
you can't hear it and you can't conceive of it because ultimately it comes from God. You guys with me? And that's, what, that's, that's the huge thing here that this is wisdom that it, it changes everything about us, how we think, how we talk, how we speak, how we live our lives, all these things. And I love how David Guzik, he's a pastor and a teacher and a commentator for a very popular Christian website called Blue Letter Bible. It's amazing. And he says here, and, and I'm sharing this in the context of this passage and just the overall what we're talking about. He says, too many Christians still think like natural people, refusing to spiritually discern things when our only concern is for what works or the bottom line. We are not spiritually discerning and we are thinking like the natural person, even though we might be saved. Isn't that true? We sometimes, we, we don't spiritually discern things. We don't really see God's ways because at the end of the day, we need to figure it out first. We need to say, hey, I got this. I'm gonna try to figure it out. And as I was processing this, I thought of this, I thought of this image when I was processing this sermon. And I don't get a lot of images. I don't get a lot of dreams. I'm not that kind of person. Um, it's funny, the last dream I had was probably like two, three weeks ago, and it was, the, it was about like a raccoon biting my, my hand for like 10 seconds. I was like, okay, and then I woke up, super random. Um, but I, when I get these images <laughs> and these dreams, I, like, I actually discern them because it's a blessing when I do get them. So I got this image, and I want to invite you guys to be able to um, kind of picture yourself in this image because it was super powerful, and I think it kind of sums up this whole idea of what James is talking about and everything that I've been sharing. So if you want, feel free to close your eyes. If not, it's okay. So this image I got was Jesus on the cross like this. He was on a mountain and he was, you know, nails in his hands, nails on his feet. He was bleeding profusely, crazy. He looked disfigured. Um, he was sweating, gasping for air. And then me, I was on the other side kneeling, and you can picture yourself however you want. I was kneeling, looking at him, and he was just a mess. But he said to me, he said, listen, I'm about to leave. I'm about to go and be with the Father. But you're not alone, and I want you to understand that. I want to be able to guide you, and I want to be able to lead you. And as he's saying this, he's just constant blood and, and gasping for air. And he says, listen, I, I want to lead, lead you, and I want you to build your life on this foundation that leads to, to the fullness that I have for you, but I need you to walk with me and trust me and build your foundation on me. And on the other end, what I did, and I think what not only the church, but some of us may do sometimes, I got up, I looked at him, and I said, Jesus, thank you, but let me go figure it out first. And I walked away. And I shared that, and I hope that convicts or shows you something of the picture of what we do to God and how we portray and live our lives. And I, I want us to see wisdom as this, this severity of our lives. It is such a pillar in our lives, and it guides us because ultimately it comes from God. He is not part of wisdom. He doesn't administer some of it. He is the being and the state of wisdom. And I share this with you because I want you to see my heart behind this and the severity of wisdom, right? So I don't want to just leave you here and just realize the picture and, and this idea of earthly wisdom, godly wisdom, but I want to challenge your heart and say, hey, which foundation am I really building on? Am I building it on a sandy foundation or am I building it on a strong rock that cannot be shaken? And when things come, my life, come, things come through my way, 
I got this wisdom that, you know, the, the, the shield of faith and all these things where when it comes my way, I'm good because I have Jesus and I have the wisdom, the godly wisdom, not the, world that, not the wisdom that this world portrays, that they think they have it all, but Paul says that it's coming to nothing. Amen? This world is coming to nothing. We need Jesus. We need that wisdom, right? Don't we need to be people out there that are full of peace and mercy and gentleness and show the world what that looks like? So I want to leave you guys with some takeaways, and I think I might have missed a couple slides. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> so these are the conclusion and the takeaways. I want to leave you guys with this. First one is so a life of peace and righteousness, right? Be people out there that go and create peace. And be people that, as Proverbs says, we want to fear the Lord because that's the beginning of wisdom and understanding, right? And it's not this fear that like, oh, I'm scared of if I do this, God is going to smite me. No, it's this idea of reverence and awe that we want to live our lives totally to Jesus and that he will take the way and he will guide us. We will understand, like Solomon when he first prayed, he, we will understand the ways of God and he will set us up. So be those people. Go out there. Reap that. Reap that. So you can see this manifest in your life. And then the second one is make God's word the foundation, not only of your wisdom, but ultimately your life. You know, we want to be people who are soaked in prayer and bathed in God's word. We want our Bibles to not just look white and perfect, but dusty and yellow and full of highlighted marks. You know, we want to be those people that know God's word in and out, but not only know it, but live it, right? Because we don't want to be people who we know God, we see ourselves in the mirror, and then we go away, like James says, and we forget how we look and how we live. That's not who we want to be. And the last one is root yourself in a place of accountability, right? This life is not easy, not easy. But we need those people around us that are going to push us to be godly, to push us, to encourage us, to be merciful, to be gentle, we can't do this life alone. Jesus didn't send out one disciple. He had 12, and he sent them out in twos and threes. There's something about a community and people around you that push you to be servants of fire, right? Servants who love Jesus, servants who are carrying their cross every day. That's who we need to surround ourselves with. And the last one is root yourself in a place of accountability. And that's huge because we need to be able to be because it, the thing is, we can try to hide and live this life that no one knows about, but there's ultimately one person that will always know, and that's Jesus. And he, you can't hide your life from him. And the reason why I say that is because we need to be able to hold ourselves accountable and say, hey, I'm dealing with this, or I'm dealing with that. And I want to commend Jersey because he's done that in his own life. He was able to step out in faith and say, hey, I want people who are accountable and are going to hold me accountable for the things that I'm doing because I'm working through these things in my life and I need you guys. That is a man of faith that he's stepping out and he's, God is transforming him. And that's how we ought to be, right? We need to be people who hold ourselves to accountability and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Not hide in the dark or go to, a, go to our own homes and continue to be indwelled and captive to the sin. God, God sees that and you're not getting away, away with that. So root yourself around people, people of peace, people who love you, people who want to push you, right? So those are the three main takeaways. The soul life of peace and righteousness, righteousness. Make God's word the foundation of your wisdom and your life and root yourself in a place of accountability. So before I close, and I want to invite the band to come up, I want to just take a few moments. If everyone just close your eyes and don't use this time to think about what's happening next, but I want you guys to process everything that was said I don't want us to just leave here and pretend nothing happened, that there wasn't anything that God showed you, but I want us to leave spiritually armored and changed, 
right? Because that's what we want to do. We want the word of God to convict us. So just take a few moments and let the Spirit search your heart to the things that was said, the convictions that he sprung up in your life, the things that you feel that you may need to change, the things that you need to work on, the things that you're thankful for, the things that you've rejoiced about, and the things that you see God overcome. Take a few moments. It all comes back to Jesus. And as you process these things, I want to just end in, in a psalm. It's Psalm 90:12. It says, "Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom." Teach us to number our days, Jesus, that when we leave those doors, we learned and we have gained a heart of wisdom and we continue to seek after wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is more precious than rubies. So Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for just guiding me and guiding all of us and guiding our hearts to hear your word, Lord, and to be illuminated by it. We love you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for us and that wisdom that was poured out. You know, Peter was talking to Jesus after Jesus said some pretty hard things about what it looks like following him. And Jesus asked Peter, he said, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave too? What did Peter say? He said, Lord, where should I go? You have the words of eternal life. Do we see God as the one who has eternal life and the wisdom for us? Jesus, we pray that you may just give us a glimpse of that wisdom and help us to build our foundation on it. That when we leave those doors today, Lord, that we walk in a new posture and stature and heart of wisdom. We love you so much, Jesus, and we thank you so much for this time. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.